My old friend Brad Morantz and his wife Jenny took years of Broadway experience and channeled it into the perfect gig. They're working performers that stayed together and in the process became Charleston's greatest showman. Welcome, Brad and Jennifer Morantz, to the Cultural Scavenger. Thank you, Andy. Who's nice a scavenger? You are. I am. Okay. I'm cultural. You're a scavenger. No, I'm the scavenger, and you are the scavenged. Oh, uh, gosh. Okay. You two. Okay. Well, I'll be on the lookout. Yeah. You two are fixtures in the Charleston area, Morant's Entertainment, and the Charleston Christmas Special. And it was a very interesting journey getting there. Brad, <laughs> you and I first met in 1976. Oh my gosh, really? How old are you guys? Yes, we're old. We're old guys. <laughs> He's older than I am. No, I don't really know. Yeah. 76. Well, congratulations. That's it's pretty incredible. cool. It is. I'm going to look is. on the positive on this. You know, we're still upright and we're still having conversations and we're still connected. And that's that's, that's the amazing thing. Nice it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, and we met in 76 when we were both cast in our first Actors' Equity Show, Gone with the Wind. It was a... See, I'm going to be able to interject some stories here myself. So this is you this whole right conversation ahead. is yeah. is going to... We're going to talk about stories. I remember but, the burning of Atlanta. That's well, what I remember. That's exactly what that show was known for. That was the only reason I think people came to see the thing was, how are they going to how do... They, how, how are they going to do that? How are they yeah. going to do it? It was known for the burning of, of Atlanta and otherwise some pretty forgettable music other than the phrase, gone with the wind. I mean, it was, that, that was the only phrase I remember. But if you recall, they'd have these styrofoam chunks that would fall down. What we would have to do, the cast, as in the chorus, we would have to run through these buildings. We'd go from stage left to stage right. We got to the other side of, of the stage, put on a different jacket, <laughs> come go back the other way, go run back across. It was like, it like chasing the styrofoam. We yeah. were just yeah. running back and forth. Dead, dodge, dodging debris falling and people were going, wow, this is really cool. I mean, was it a large cast or not really? It was pretty big, wasn't it, Andy? Yeah. There were a lot of people in it. Oh, there was a lot of people. There were a yeah. lot of people. And that was back when, when Dallas Summer Musicals, it was a big deal. Yeah. Well, that show had only been done at, at that time in history, like three places, right? L.A., Dallas, and Japan or yeah, something. Yeah, right? for, for good reason. <laughs> was it the same show as the other? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. The cast was local, or mm -hmm. I guess regional people would come from all over the country to do this, and we it's would- a good summer job. Yeah. It was a great summer job. You got your- your equity card for me, it wasn't That's a big, big deal. Right? It was a big deal for me. It was like, eh, because I was going to go to law school. My plan was I'm doing this for a lark. I had been working at the country dinner playhouse as a singing waiter doing this and auditioning just to see how I would stack up with the likes of Brad Morantz. So, <laughs> well, he towered good. over me. Yes, I have, yes. <laughs> no, very high bar. I got cast. And as it turns out, I, I was cast for the whole season, but, Told the producer, "Look, I'm, I'm going no, to." And Brad wasn't. I was not. <laughs> you were not. That's how quickly oh. he passed the bar. <laughs> I know. Oh, no, you. Oh, I thought you got cast for the whole season. No, I. Now, God, that was so long ago. But I think what happened was I got cast for that show, 
And then I ended up going to Casa, Casa Manana in Fort Worth and doing the rest of their season there, one show at a time. I think that was all in that year. The other thing that I remember about Gone with the Wind, Brad, is, and hopefully you will remember this story. I was, I was, <laughs> no guarantee. I know. Well, when I, when I share it with you, it'll come back to you. But okay. there was, there was a, a woman in the show, and I say woman because we were all kids. She was older. 35. Yeah. Pro- yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. At that point, Over. it was like really old. And I mean, you actually had a character. You were one of the Tarleton twins. Which right. you, had, you had lines, you, you very know, important you had lines. I, oh, I, yes, I was good trying to get Scarlett to pay attention to me. That's right, right. and she did for a, a fleeting second, a fleeting second. second, but it was a memorable moment. But for the rest of us, we were all what I call scenery. We sang and we blended into the background. And those of us that couldn't dance like you, you were a triple threat singer, dancer, actor, all that good stuff. I couldn't do anything right. So. I did everything. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. So we're in the background and, you know, we're upstage clapping and watching you dance at the Wilkes barbecue. That was a big ah, dance. That was a right. big dance number. And Linda was one of these people in the cast that was old school. What was the line? There are no small parts, just small actors. And so we're at a party. We're laughing. We had no lines. Nobody could hear us. And we're all just kind of like, hey, what would you do today? Oh, I went to the gym. Or oh, Last night, we all went out. It's a contemporary conversation. But Linda was in character. She was in 1861 mode. And, oh, isn't this a wonderful party? And, yeah. oh, da, 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 da. and we all just kind of laughed about it. So this was closing night. We were in, at Kansas City Starlight Theater. It's an outdoor theater that is cavernous. I think the first row is about a half a mile from the orchestra pit. I mean, that's how big this thing. I mean, it, it would seat like six or 8,000 people. It was huge. I was at that point not the most professional actor that there was. So I just decided that I was going to play a prank on Linda. And I had this whoopee cushion. Is it coming back, Brad? That's very much coming back. Is I it? remember this now. So I had this whoopee cushion. Oh! Oh my gosh. The way this thing was blocked was that Gary Daniels would escort Linda. They they sat they both sat on this little love seat or settee or whatever it was. Yeah. That was their blocking. So he escorts her out. Everybody in the cast was in on it, including the musical director and the guy that was our stage manager was this really hard ass. It was a professional production. You just didn't do that shit. Right. But because they knew of Linda, they thought Okay, this is let's have a little fun. Game. Let's have a little fun. The principals knew nothing of it because we didn't want to distract them because all the business was going on downstage. downstage. Yeah. So anything that was occurring upstage, mm. they didn't see that or hear it. This, this is a uh, good story. Or if they did, <laughs> so, with the whoopee cushion. That's a good, the whoopee, whoopee cushion is a good story. Gary had it under his coat. <laughs> under his West coat. He was the one that actually planted it. He comes out and he discreetly puts the whoopee cushion down underneath Linda's place before oh she sits down. Well, everybody in the cast, everybody's sort of glancing out of the side of their eye to watch this. Of course. How this is, right. is going to happen. And waiting for the big moment. Well, she sits down and it's like nothing. There's no you know, sound. I'm, I'm, no, no sound. And then she kind of readjusts herself. And then it was this... <laughs> Just a nice it, long it, one. A nice it one. went off like a cannon. Everybody was just howling, laughing, and it was completely in character because we're at a party. We're laughing. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's 
Oh, <laughs> was, did she look and, around? What did oh, she do? Oh, oh the, that was the best part. She goes in character. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> I remember this. Oh my! Well, how perfect for her. I uh, know it was. It was just priceless, and she was a good sport about it. And of course, Gary calmly picked the the cushion up, put it back in his jacket. I remember looking at Jack Lee, who was the musical director, conducting and watching his face, and he's just like howling, laughing as he's conducting. Oh. But no one could hear it. No one could hear it. Nobody the- could. Nobody except the cast. If you knew it was coming, right? Then you could hear it. Clear as day. Clearly, I mean, it, right. it was amazing. Oh, that's that's good. That's a good one. It was a great moment. And I and don't. It, uh, the principals it, didn't. The principals didn't never say knew anything, or heard they? it. Well, they they may have heard it, but they might have. They thought it was somebody on the first row, perhaps. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> Farting very loudly. <laughs> Scarlet. Scar- put a microphone Scarlet. on that woman down there. <laughs> Scarlet, did you hear that woman fart down below? <laughs> Oh, how great. That yeah, is the so only, great. what was more noticeable for me, I, one of my bits I was like a butler. I had to serve tea to Scarlet and Rhett. And it was a tea service, you know, silver tea service with the teapots and everything. And, you know, in Dallas, the props, the tops of these things were glued on top. Right. In Kansas City that first night, they were not. And so when I went to pour the tea, the tops fell off into the... <laughs> Clang! Louder than the farts. Oh, very much louder than the farts. And at least it wasn't like, oh my God, you know, now the scene is going to go completely to hell. But you're like, oh yes, it's okay. Lashes for that. Yeah, you're fired. You're fired. Understood. Oh, me. Yeah, so that was. um, So that's my story. That's all I got to say. I love that story. Moments in. I forgot that. That's that's sad to have forgotten that. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's been great having you on the program. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to help. <laughs> Tell me yes. more about your story. Yeah, that's right. You know, let me ask you about you. What do you think about me? <laughs> do you have any stories? I've at got all? nothing. No, nothing? Not, not to top the whoopee cushion story. Oh. <laughs> that truly was. It was. Uh, God, that was funny. So I'm going to go back. The only thing I knew about you previously was that you went to Lawn Morris, right? Yeah. Didn't you go to So take me from Lawn Morris. Yeah. Junior college that specialized in acting. Where is that? Like Sandy Duncan like, went oh. to Lawn Morris. Wow. So, yeah. It's a little uh, town. Not No, I went to Lawn Morris. Uh, I was there for a year, transferred to University of Houston uh, as an acting major. Um, University of Houston, I was there with Dennis Quaid and Brent Spiner, who was oh, wow. data on Star Trek. And, and we woman, were all in that woman, Cindy Pickett, Cindy, um, Marcia, oh, no. uh, yeah, no, that was at Lawn Morris. Lawn Morris. There was a uh, Martin, Margo Martindale, who's done a whole lot of stuff. We, oh, we Margo, went, you were, you went to school with Margo. Oh yeah. yeah do you know Margo? I don't know her personally. We were friends of friends. The acting community is pretty small, but yeah, she's done terrific work. She, I mean, all these she was that good at age 18. Or 19. She just was so focused and so honest and genuine that you could not help but believe every word out of her mouth, and which yeah. is all acting really is. So she was fabulous. Anyway, after. You said Dennis did both like that. And too. Dennis, Dennis Quaid was the same way. I mean, at, at 18, he was wonderful. Um, Cindy Pickett, I worked with yeah. her. Did you I, work with it, Cindy it, too? 
Yeah, I worked with Cindy in uh, in Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. Well, her dad was the the professor of drama there, uh, Cecil Pickett. He was right. a a very interesting man. Uh, we, he enjoyed <laughs> practical jokes. Let's Did put it he? that way. Really? Yes, he would like to put a cockroach on a student's head and just no! watch in glee as the student no! freaked out. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, he was, oh, my uh, God. That, that makes the the whoopee cushion sound a little lame. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a cockroach. Yeah, but he, he was the, one of the first teachers that I ever saw where – you know, if he would say, well, let me demonstrate what it is I want you to do as an actor. Mm-hmm. Cecil would anything he said, he could make it look so committed. And I know that sounds, you know, to people who are not in acting, you kind of go, well, I'm not exactly no, sure what that means. It's but it's an art form, form. I it mean, really to, is. to make mm-hmm. everything seem to be the truth. Uh, and he was like that. But after in terms of what I did after that, I ended up dropping out of uh, college as an acting major, because I was more into music and I started, but I started playing and singing in clubs. Then I got so into music, I wanted to go back to school as a music composition major. So I moved back to Dallas and went back to uh, college as a comp major. So that's when we met. You were back in school about this time when you were- Yeah, when I went back to Dallas, I was in college as a comp, music comp major, I was dancing in a ballet company. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, he, okay. He, I couldn't he, make up. He does mind. it all. He I mean, he never make up his mind. I really couldn't yeah. ever make up my mind. And then well, and then um and then we were doing, you know, Gone with the Wind and doing all this stuff and in the meantime I was still schooling and ballet and all that mess. And then Chorus Line, the national tour came through town. Oh, that's right. In uh, I rem- 77, I guess, or something like that. So you put on your tights. And I no, I didn't put on my tights. <laughs> okay. But I took my little dance shoes. Um, and and as it was at that time, Chorus Line auditioned in every city that they went through, that it happened to go through, yeah. uh, because they had multiple companies. They had the Broadway company, they had the national tour, they had the international tour. So there were actually two two tours traveling the United States at that point. Hmm. So they were always running out of people. And so I auditioned on a Thursday and got the job and quit everything. Left school, left everything, and left town on Tuesday. I just picked up and left, and that was it. I, w- I did the show for a year and a half and then moved to New York after that. Weren't you in Sh- Shenandoah? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Shenandoah with Howard yeah, Keel. Yeah, Shenandoah with Howard Keel. Oh, that's, that's a, yeah. so cool. I've, d- I've done two shows with Howard Keel. I wonder if the your audience... Unless they're of a certain age, they're not even going to know who Howard Keel is. But he was Showboat. He did uh, yeah. Ravenall and Showboat, the the musical, the the giant MGM musical. So that's and Seven yeah. Brides for Seven Brothers. Of course. Oh, he's fabulous. Oh, he, he, oh, he had a great voice. We both did that season. That's when I that made was the 77. commitment. And that, that was, was seventy seven. Well, I did. I remember doing Brigadoon. Yeah, there. that's where we did, came up with the whole Angus and Laddie. Oh, that's hit, right. You know, I was a dancer in Brigadoon. Yeah. My I'm Fair dancing. Lady, I was an actor in My Fair Lady. I did next to nothing. Um, Shenandoah, I was one of the sons. What did you do? I was just a soldier. Actually, I got my <laughs> I got my big break in Brigadoon. I actually got a role. I was Angus McGuffey. Ah, and, uh, Angus, that's right. I couldn't even remember where I got that from. That's why I've called him Angus for oh. ever since then. Oh my gosh! And, yeah, and I'm going to throw in another story, a couple of stories here about that show because you know Mark Stephanopoulos. Remember oh, Mark? Yeah, of course, really talented, and 
he was one of the dancers in Brigadoon. Oh, yeah. It was really easy for me. I had the concentration of a gnat. <laughs> to, 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 it, really? It didn't take, Born for this Oh, business. really? It, it didn't take much to crack me up. <laughs> and so, Mark, and even the same routine would crack over me up. Over and over would be fine. Yeah. Over and over, it would just still get me. And so my entrance is Angus McGuffey, who... Uh, Two guys. The two guys came to Brigadoon, and I know one of the elders that I think one of the lines was, well, what are you guys doing? Are you standing around here taking pictures for postcards? And, of course, the t- that was his line, and that was the cue for all the half the townspeople to split, to go, oh, you know. So Mark Fotopoulos would always run off going, postcards, oh! Oh, gosh, I remember that. <laughs> And I had to deliver my next line. Don't look at him. Do not We'd look at this, him. I didn't have to look at him. I just hear him going down the <laughs> aisle. Going, and, I said, and you couldn't talk. And you couldn't talk. Well, I'd have to see your money first. And, and I mean, it was, I just choked to get it out. Just keep from. Because you were laughing at Mark. I was laughing. I was just. And he wouldn't stop, right? I could pull it together to get through it. But it's like, I hate you, you son of a bitch, for doing this to me every single night. And the the other thing that I remember about that show at the funeral, and Cheryl Fager Jones does this this funeral dance. And so this guy liked to also (laughs) kind of mess around a little bit. Well, with his hands clasped on his chest. There was just enough space for a little card that he'd written a note so that, you know, the the people carrying the litter would see it as well as Cheryl, who had to come over and, you know, mourn. <laughs> All right, what did this and, card say? What did it say? And the card said, my balls itch and you think you've got problems. Well. Oh, my Lord. So, 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 Cheryl, you know, the good news is there's a fine line. Between laughing and crying. Between laughing and crying. And we're just like, our shoulders are shaking. And we're just, and she's going, oh. Thank goodness. She was particularly distraught. Well, yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. So that's why I had you on, so I could tell my stories. I love it. Listen, we are happy to help. Because I love laughing more than anything. I promise. (laughs) So that takes us to the end of the season for Casa Manana, as we laugh our way out of Brigadoon. (laughs) And got paid for it. And got paid. And got paid. To have a great time. You knew what you wanted to do. You were going to be in the business in some form or fashion. I was fighting it from the get-go, and it was finally, it was like, okay, this is what I got to do. Parenting has something to do with that as well. Because even though my folks were both musicians, believe it or not. Were you know, they? My, my mom, my dad had a had a dance band and my mother was a singer in the band. So Are that's how they serious? met. Are you serious? I'm serious. I love that. And we were always around music. It was never don't do this, but they discouraged. I was encouraged to play music and do all this stuff, right. but just don't do not do it professionally. Yeah. Because I think they they saw the business and what it was. And, and so they never really just said, hey, you need to do this. You got a, a modicum of talent. Follow your dream. If this is what you want to do, go do it. No, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer. So yeah. anyway, so that's when I decided it was time to go to New York. And, and I thought, well... Okay, I've done everything I can do in Dallas to the degree that I can, just like auditioning for Dallas Summer Musicals. 
let's go see you know what I can do in the in the big town. But the problem was money. I didn't want money. to. Right. I wanted to go up there with some kind of a cushion. And thanks to your husband, I uh, found out about the Crystal Palace in Aspen. What I remember about about the Crystal Palace is that. It's just but the food was good. No, no. it was it was good actually. Um, no. But that Andy and I were the only two aspiring professionals in the entire place. Um, well, who were the other people? They were all either ski, ski bums. bums, ski bums that could or, sing. Yeah. yeah, that could sing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they could. They could. They did fine. They did well. I and mean, if there it was, was a song that that uh, the producer Mead Metcalf thought that required a more. little more theatrical ability or something. You two did. He would give it to us. Right. And, and we right. actually remember you and I traded on, uh, I don't remember Christmas. Cause. Oh yeah. That was the, the big, uh, yeah. That was our exactly. big dramatic song, which you sang yeah. better than I did. You, you. Oh no. no, no. Oh yeah. Well, I thought, thank you. I thought so. So who, who uh, came up with the show? Mead. Mead did. Oh, okay. He, it was all him. I think he started this dinner theater, and it was it was more of a cabaret dinner theater as right. opposed to the country dinner playhouse where we were just the pre-show. We were the show there, and he started while this they, thing while back. While they were eating, yeah, we would okay. we would serve them serve. Well, oh. and yeah. be their waiter, and then once they got their food, the show would start. I love that. And, and Mead was a yeah. uh, was constantly educating himself on whatever was cutting edge in Broadway at that time, and he would put together musical reviews. Based on really current stuff. I mean, we didn't know it, uh, that stuff. He was ahead of everybody, you know? Oh, he was. And he started this thing back in the 50s, the late 50s, and it just grew to this. It was a destination in Aspen. It was like the place to go. I waited on Teddy Kennedy and Susie Chapstick. And if you went to Aspen, you had to go to the Crystal Palace. Who was the actress in uh, soap operas? Who never got an Oscar, but was uh, not a, an Emmy. But. Erica. Oh, Susan. Susan Lucci. Yes. Susan Lucci. Oh, her on, name was Erica. I waited right. on her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, oh it my was, gosh. It was Erica. It's, it's, that was her yeah. character. Speaking of, that was the very first job I got in New York. When I when I finally moved to New York, I did a, a day player on... Uh, Are you serious? I'm oh, serious. All my that children? Was, no. Days of yeah, our lives? No, all my children. All my and children. we used to watch it. It was like this. We would follow all my children, and and for me to you know just I, I was like a kid in a candy store. Oh, oh my yeah. god, there's a so and so that this is just um, amazing. Sure. And of course, if you blinked, you missed me. But I thought it was interesting because on my theatrical resume, you'd see whorehouse and pump boys and dinettes and da da da. Did you do pump you, boys? Oh my god! I did pump boys. Yeah, I did pump boys at the Kennedy Center. That. I have I, okay. That is one shows. of my favorite shows of all time. Speaking of Teddy Kennedy, you know, I waited on him, and then when I did Pump Boys, which this was, this would have been what fifteen years later. That was his favorite show. Pump Boys was his favorite show. Wow! See, and, see, and, <laughs> and he wants before, to do it here. All the I've time. been always wanting to do it here. Teddy Kennedy had a Halloween party. And this was right before we were to open at Kennedy Center. And he brought the cast out to do a couple of the numbers for his guests. It was oh, really bizarre. God. It was wild. And he was, <laughs> he could never, you could never get away with it. Now, his costume, he was dressed as Manny. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He was dressed in yeah, Mammy, he, no. as Mammy. And, and, and so when we left, we were like, 
they all like applauded and then we left. And as we were packing up to leave, out comes, you know, he it was like a cartoon, you know, Mammy comes out and goes, Wait, wait, I just wanted to say how much this was great. what was so wonderful. <laughs> like, oh my Teddy god. Kid. It was in that in that amazing, but yeah. there's a point there someplace about um on my resume and people that were outside of the business, when they would see my little credit is for all my children, that's the only thing they saw. They saw, and that's all they wanted to talk about. That's right? all they wanted to talk about is, like, <laughs> oh my God, you were on all my children. It's like, well, yeah, if you blinked, you missed. Oh my, oh my God, that was. <laughs> yeah. Andy, I get the same thing even now when Jenny and I are, are doing a show and it says on my resume that I was on Matlock. That's all people care about. Doesn't matter about Broadway or tour. Right. Or but you were on Matlock. But I was on Matlock. Like, what was Andy Griffith like? You know, and it was all that. <laughs> so we, we did Aspen. We saved money. Okay. How long were you guys there? Just a season. We were just one winter. Just a, the winter season. And actually, they wanted, he wanted us to stay for the summer. And it was like, um, no. No. It was, it was, oh, my gosh. We were not was, happy. Y'all weren't? No. No, it not was, skiing and singing. That's not no, good enough. That's not the point. It's the 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 point was, it it was a difficult theatrical. I'm I'll say it from my perspective. Mm. It was a difficult theatrical environment working with with people who's who were not of like mind in terms of the seriousness of the business. Oh, I got itself. you right. Now, and and you're you're being told what to do by people who aren't in theater, uh, who yeah. really didn't get it. And, right. and we and were, when the snow ran out, it was time to go. Definitely, yeah. we were yeah. persecuted. I'm sorry, we were. You know, I've never yeah. heard this. It's true. Well, it it was. I mean, because because of our, I guess, professional craft. aspirations. Yeah, you yeah. called it craft. I think right. uh, yeah. s- several people found were threatened by. I don't. I would. I don't want to say they were threatened by us, but not because of who we were, but what we represented. Everybody else there, they were there for a good time. They were yeah. partying. Yeah. They just were partying. And Andy and I were actually very serious about it was the business. Your, it was your art. Yeah. yeah. And we were just passing through. Neither one of us wanted to delay what we were trying to get to. Perfectly so. Yeah. That's right. exactly you know, right. It, right. Yeah. Otherwise, you could have, you, we could have been sucked into a. And, and Gary Daniels. Did he stay there Summer for a while? Musicals, he stayed there for a long time. I mean, he was there and managed the restaurant. And I didn't you know, know that. For, yeah, good for Gary. I mean, he he found a, a niche there, and he could perform, and he could he was happy there. I I don't know about you, but after not seeing green grass for what several months, it was like I I you know you grew up in Texas, you you want to see green grass, you want it to be warm again. Yeah. yeah. So I left. I went back to Dallas. And oddly enough, ironically, you said you worked at the Crystal Palace in Dallas. I ended up managing the the Grand Crystal Palace in Dallas for another, uh, I guess, six six months or so. Wow. Wait a minute. Isn't that the was, same place? Yeah. And the one in Dallas that you worked at. Yeah. Downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Downtown. Wow. Frank Rigney. It was just, that oh, was, yeah. you talk about a bizarre, it was like, oh my God, this is, how does this place stay in business? But I, well, yeah, because it only ever had six to seven people in the, in it, in the restaurant at any given time. Oh, Are you serious? Know, nobody went. Yeah. I mean, Are you and serious? I, would, I remember, I call, no, I, I he, he's dead serious. I would, I remember calling Frank, the owner, and I would say, Frank, you know, we've only got like, six people on the books. He said, he'd always say, well, maybe more would show up. 
So we do a we do a performance. We do our show dinner. Oh. Yeah, it was it was. I don't know how he. It, I think it was just a vanity project for him. I I think. But uh, but no, I stayed on there and then did one more show at, at Dallas Summer Musicals, and um, and then headed to New York. I I got to New York in '79, and you were already. And I guess at that point, I was in chorus line at that point. I had you were in the been. yeah because yeah. it was '78. Well, you know what? I get wow. One of the other things. Do you remember when Seven Brides was done in Dallas? Yeah, and and Howard and Jane. Howard Keel yeah, and yeah. did it, and I did that. Oh, that oh, was okay. okay. That was another season, I guess. Yes, yeah. I did that, and and Sound of Music with Shirley Jones, and right, and uh, it must have been some time. It was after that that Chorus Line must have come through, because by '78, I know I was, I was right. Well, I remember you saying you telling me about Chorus Line, and then we kind of reunited in New York. Your your career in New York really took off. I got really lucky, and it it was as simple as, just as in all businesses, it's so much about who you know and the networking aspect of it. Mm -hmm. While I was in Chorus Line, I worked with a girl named Nikki Harris, who was playing Val, tits and ass. That was that character. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and, uh, so Nikki had left the show, gone back to New York, and she was assisting Tommy Toon on a show called Day in Hollywood, Night in the Ukraine, which was about the Marx Brothers. And uh, the guy who was playing Groucho, David Garrison, his understudy was was quitting. And Nikki said, you always reminded me of Groucho. <laughs> and so she called me and said, you should go audition for that. And I, of course, at at that time, I had never done a Groucho impersonation. Had you seen movies? or I had, like but I never thought about it. Yeah. I literally never thought I'm like Groucho or I, I my rhythm, my comedic pattern is like that. Uh, since then, I've realized I'm oh, a whole lot like that, um, <laughs> just by nature. I just didn't think so. And uh, and so, yeah, I went to when I uh, left Chorus Line after a year and a half, moved to New York, went in and, and in the first six months I was there, Nikki called me and said, come audition. I auditioned. And guess who my competition was? Mark Fotopoulos. Oh, no. man, that's yeah. funny. Are you serious? Well, it's- Mark was was dating yeah. Tommy Walsh. Tommy was oh, literally yeah. Tommy Toon's assistant. Right-hand man, yeah. And man. And th- it was just me and uh, and Mark up there, and I auditioned four times until by the fourth time I was out there. Every time I, every time I auditioned, my agent said, they want to see you go further. They want to see you go further. But by <laughs> the fourth audition, I was in complete costume, makeup. I mean, everything. Never <laughs> got out of character. And the producers, Hildy Parks and uh, Alexander Cohen, who did Night of a Thousand Stars with Oh, me, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, they were out in the audience, along with Tommy Toon and Tommy Walsh, right? Right. And Watch, so, watching you and Mark or just you? Well, no, it was both of us auditioning oh, at the wow. same time, you know, one, one after the other. And um, by that time, I had done quite a bit of research about watching Groucho. And I realized, well, mainly Groucho was insulting and abusive. And so <laughs> that after, came naturally after yes. doing, you know, I did, I did what they asked me to do. And then in simply interacting with them while I'm standing on stage, it's Groucho. And they're just asking me a question or talking. I'm totally abusive. <laughs> Airplane, you know, oh it's, it's like, I don't care. I don't give up, you know, whatever, because that's, that's, well, what but that's the way he was. Yeah. Do you remember it? No, no. I don't remember what I said. Cause it was all off. It was all winging it. Oh, wow. Wow. Everything. 
Um, anyway, I got, and you got it. I got that job. And I, I didn't, I think I, I felt like there's a, there's no way I'm going to get this job. Look who I'm, a, I'm against. Look what his connection is to this. I'm, uh, it's not going to happen. Having worked with both Tommy and Tommy, Tommy Walsh and, and Tommy Toon, mm-hmm. they had the utmost integrity. They were not going to let, I mean, we've all heard of instances where you cast your friends, you cast your bo- friends, your boyfriend, whoever it is. You but know, they didn't and do, yeah. They did not. They yeah. did not. Tommy Toon was amazing. Yeah. He really was. Yeah. That's how that happened. And I was hired as the understudy. And then uh, the guy playing Groucho, David Garrison, left to do something else. And uh, I'll never forget the first day I walked into the theater and I, and I stood face to face with David Garrison. Well, wow. if you've ever seen that episode of I Love Lucy, when Lucy is dressed as Harpo and Harpo was on it. And they do that thing where they're mirroring each other. That is exactly what it was like, me standing in front of David Garrison. We were the same height. We had the same, I mean, everything about us was exactly the same. You were doppelgangers. We were. And we both looked at each other and was like, this is very weird. (laughs) And so when it came to when I replaced him, it was like, just put on the costume and go out there. And it looked like nothing changed. And we're going to pause here for now because there's just too much for one episode. The story with Brad and Jenny continues next week. See you then.